Bible reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 17 through to chapter 3 verse 13. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did, again and again. But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer... We thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Derek, for that reading. Good morning, everyone. What a truly encouraging and uplifting passage of scripture it is, uh, as Derek was reading it to us. Let's pray as we come to God's word this morning. Thank you, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and our God, that you've not left us alone or without hope in the world, that you sent your Son, Jesus, 
to die for us, to rescue us. You have also provided us with your word, the Bible, which is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. So we pray now that by your spirit, through your word, you would speak to us today as your people to teach, rebuke, encourage, correct and train us in righteousness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's word this morning offers us a deeply moving account of Paul's life and ministry after he had to leave the church at Thessalonica on very short notice. We've been following that in the last few weeks. If you remember, riots broke out in the city of Thessalonica due to Paul's preaching of the gospel there, and in the interests of safety, he had no choice but to leave in the middle of the night. So I nearly called my message today, standing firm in the Lord, because that is what God calls us to do. But in the end, as I was looking at the passage, I I couldn't help but to follow the angle of Paul's love for God's people. Paul's love for God's people. Paul has such a passion for God's people that it fills my heart with wonder. It is the most uplifting and challenging truth in our passage today, and I've decided to run with it. Paul's passion for God's people. Paul's passion for God's people is a consuming passion. His intense longing To see his brothers and sisters in Christ again, in Thessalonica, is heartfelt and unfeigned. And yet Satan stopped him time and again, he says. For indeed, this is a spiritual battle we're involved in. Then at last, Paul says, when we could stand it no longer, the agony of waiting had become unbearable. Timothy was sent in his stead to find out news. On the map, you can see the places that Paul went from Thessalonica across to Berea and then from Berea down to Athens, which is where Timothy was sent from, and Paul then went on to Corinth. So he's in that part of the world. And when Timothy returned with the news that the Thessalonians had not only survived but thrived, well, Paul was absolutely ecstatic. His prayers had been answered by God, and this was going to be one of the happiest days of his life. I think his response in chapter 3, verse 8 says it all. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. And what joy Paul must have felt as he wrote those words. So these two themes in our passage today come together, don't they? Paul's consuming passion for God's people is matched by Paul's realisation that the Thessalonians are indeed standing firm in the Lord, standing firm in their faith, despite all their difficulties. Today's passage is about faith and love. There's much encouragement to be had here. I'd like to share it with you today so that we might all be strengthened in our faith and love and so stand firm in the Lord together, just as the Thessalonians did. So, in summary, we've got Paul's love, Paul's agony, Paul's ecstasy and Paul's prayer. We've got Paul's love for the people in the first part of our passage, the end of chapter 2, verses 17 to 20, followed by Paul's agony at being prevented from seeing his friends and having to send Timothy on that fact-finding mission at the start of chapter 3. Then Paul's ecstasy at hearing the good news that his friends are standing firm in their faith. And finally, Paul's prayer at the end of chapter 3 that God will speed the day of his return to Thessalonica and sustain them in their faith and love. Paul's love, Paul's agony, Paul's ecstasy, and Paul's prayer. That's it in a nutshell, so let's make a start, shall we? First of all, as I've been saying, Paul's love for the people is 
his consuming passion. He deeply desires to see all people saved, no matter who you are. His passion is for everyone to turn from idols to serve the living and true God. And for him, this means doing all he can to bring as many people as possible into Christ's kingdom. This is his life's work and ministry as an apostle of Christ. It's all about people. And yet not people for people's sake, but people for Jesus' sake. That we might be saved to the glory of God. That's why Paul is so concerned for the welfare of his Thessalonian brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's why it must have been hard for him to be separated from them as he was. And as he shares in our passage today, he says he was literally torn away from them in verse 17. Torn away from the ones that he loved. I mean, can you imagine as a parent being ripped away from your children and not being able to see them again? Because that's the experience, the kind of experience Paul is describing here. A very traumatic and untimely parting of the ways. The word he uses there in verse 17 contains within it the idea of being orphaned or or ripped away from your own family. What a, a terribly traumatic experience. But what can Paul do about it except to trust in the Lord and wait upon God's timing? His relationship with these newborn Christians had grown so deep so quickly that he feels an intense agony and frustration at being separated from them against his will, really. I mean, he left in the interest of safety, I'm sure, but it was not his desire to leave. It was so hard on him and on them, and he had to wait upon the Lord to see what God would do. So let's hear how he describes it again in chapter 2 from verse 17. Feel the emotion as he says this. He says, but brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Satan stopped us. Now, there's an important point. Paul isn't just describing what happened from his own experience, but he's also explaining the spiritual battle that's going on here that we're all really engaged in as God's people today as well. The battle continues, although Christ has won it on the cross. We still have this spiritual battle. Paul says Satan stopped us. Now, I don't know how that happened. I don't know whether it was by illness or an attack or some other form of spiritual warfare. It's not explained here. Whatever it was, it seriously affected Paul's plans to return to Thessalonica. The weeks passed by and still he couldn't get back. And so Paul's response here must have answered a question that would have been in the minds of many Thessalonians as those weeks passed by. Why didn't you come back earlier? What kept you away? You stayed with us for three weeks but then you left in the middle of the night and and you never came back. Please explain. It's not an unreasonable question, is it? And again, you can feel the emotion coming through as Paul explains. Effectively, God knows I tried so hard to come to see you, but Satan stopped us. I've been constantly praying that God will open a way for us to see you again soon. Oh, but now that Timothy's returned and I know that you're standing firm in your faith, well, my heart is filled with joy. 
says in verse 19, For what is our hope or joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. You are. You are our glory and joy. I just savour those words written to this church that was in the midst of its own persecutions from an apostle who was clearly being persecuted as well. But he speaks these astonishing words, you are our glory and joy. this, This is inspiring. It's challenging as well though. But I hope you're encouraged as we read these words because I'm personally encouraged. I mean, when brothers and sisters in Christ love one another like this, well, it's a sign of God's special blessing upon his church. And so my own prayer for us today in Burwood is that God will fill our hearts with his love by the power of his Holy Spirit and do so more and more that we too might overflow with the joy of our salvation and the desire to share with others the reason for the hope that we have in Christ. Please pray for this as Paul prayed. And as you pray, be an encourager through acts of kindness, charity and care. If someone needs your help, well, be there for them. If someone has a celebration, celebrate with them. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And I suggest don't overthink it. I mean, often it's just the little things in life that can make the biggest difference. It's amazing how special a smile can be at that right moment when you're feeling down. To know that you're cared for. That smile can speak volumes. I mean, there's no magic formula to this, is there? You just need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone from time to time when God leads you to do so. And be yourself. Be who you are. I mean, some people need more space than others. Some people are needier than others. But as you trust in God and as you pray for his encouragement and care in your own life i believe god will open up ways for you too to share the gospel if you're prayerful and intentional about it and when that opportunity comes just tell them share your testimony the story of why it is that you trust in jesus as your own lord and savior what is it that jesus has done for you tell them about his death and resurrection and the hope that he sets before us I mean, that's what Christian love is all about. So as we come to my second point for today then, we we can see how God's love was powerfully at work in Paul's life and ministry. He can't just sit back and do nothing because he's driven by this deep and abiding love for God's people and he just has to find a way around Satan's roadblock. This is Paul's agony, my second point for today. He has to find out how his friends in Thessalonica are doing. Are my spiritual children alive in Christ? Are they walking with the Lord? Are they abiding in the Spirit? Are they holding fast to the gospel despite the trials that must be coming upon them? He says when he could bear it no longer, he decided to send Timothy in his stead to resolve the impasse. So we read on in chapter 3, verse 1. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens... We sent Timothy, who was our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. 
I suppose Paul must have had a few sleepless nights through this time, knowing that Satan was actively seeking to hinder the work of the gospel and to perhaps harm these new Christians who were so near and dear to Paul's heart. He would have been urgent in prayer, constantly upholding them before the throne of grace. What if they've given up meeting together? What if they've stopped trusting in Jesus? Perhaps the trials they face may have unsettled them to such an extent and undone the good work that was undertaken while Paul and his fellow missionaries were with him. I mean, it was possible that all that had been accomplished in that time could have been undone. And you can feel the pain or the urgent concern as Paul writes. And when he hears news of Timothy, you can most audibly hear the sigh of thankfulness as that uh, burden comes off him. Also, it can't have escaped the notice of those new Christians in Thessalonica that Paul too had faced severe persecution. He'd warned them about it. He'd warned them to expect such things. Jesus they crucified, so don't expect an easy life in this world as his followers. Look at verse 3. You know quite well that we were destined for them, these sufferings, these persecutions, these trials. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. Trials and persecutions of our faith are always going to be with us if we're serious about following Jesus. And the battle is heating up here in Australia today as well, so get ready for it. The laws are changing, becoming potentially, I mean, there's already laws that you can get um, in trouble for praying with people and uh, the New South Wales government is having similar plans in its um, conversion therapy laws. And you've got euthanasia and abortion. I encourage you to come along to the march that's had to be moved to Hyde Park because... Parramatta Council wouldn't uh, accept the march for abortion. Too political, they said. Hmm. They allowed the uh, gay and lesbian guys to have their march a few weeks before, but uh, not to speak about abortion. Persecutions and trials of faith are here already, and they're about to get worse. So be prepared. Fear not, for the Lord has forewarned us of these things. Your allegiance to Christ is going to be tested in the days ahead, perhaps like never before. Verse 5. When I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless, in vain, ineffective. Sometimes you have to be ready for a fight. And that means sometimes you have to take a hit, like it or not. But that's what I love about the Apostle Paul. He fights for the faith like a gladiator fights for life. All that he is and all that he has is thrown into the battle, often at great personal cost. And yet he does it in love, in love for God, in love for people, that he might bring many souls to salvation. He is a soldier of Christ, and we need more soldiers today. We need men and women of faith, of love, of prayer, and of fortitude 
who are willing to step up and speak up in Jesus' name. I hope you're ready. I need to be, and I ask you to be, soldiers of Christ who love the Lord, who love people, just as the Apostle Paul did. May God give us a passion for all people, whether young or old, sick or well, weak or strong, timid or bold, married or single, male or female, lost or found. Every soul is precious in God's sight and we need to be on the lookout for each and every one. This is a challenge to me personally. I confess I've grown weary and perhaps uh, afraid of being hurt again. You too get hurt so many times and we need to keep coming back to the Lord. It's kind of scary, isn't it? I know it is, but God is faithful and the joy of seeing our Heavenly Father at work in our lives makes it all worth, worthwhile. So I want to come on to my third point for today about Paul's ecstasy. I mean, Timothy's report coming in now about the good news of the good health of the Thessalonian church is the best news that Paul could have dreamt of. He is overjoyed, he is ecstatic. So what exactly is the news that's come in? Is, is it the news that the persecutions are over? No, it's not that, is it? Is it the news that Mr Frogmorton's health is much improved? No, not that. Is it the news that Billy in year 12 has gotten top marks in his HSC and is going to be going on to university? Praise the Lord. No, it's not that. So what is the good news? What does Paul say in verse 6? In verse 6 he says, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought us good news about your faith and love. Those words, your faith and love. So it's faith and love that has Paul dancing. It's the faith of the Thessalonians and their love for all the saints. He says, what's more, Timothy has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Well, this is the, the kind of faith and love that will warm the heart of any Christian. Come down another verse, have a look in verse 7. What's Paul say here? Again, you see, it's all about the faith of God's people. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Your faith. Your understanding of the gospel, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, your belief that he is the Lord who reigns and is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Your faith is living. It's the faith of these Christians that excites the Apostle Paul. And just in case you didn't get it the last two times, come down to verse 8, third time lucky. Paul says, For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. What's it about? It's about faith and love. The kind of faith and love that stands firm in the Lord and is not shaken by the trials and persecutions of this life. The Thessalonians, despite all the struggles that have uh, been beset upon them by Satan, well, they've not only survived, they've thrived. God has preserved them in faith and love. And Paul is overjoyed because the Lord is merciful and good to his people. The Thessalonians have been found faithful 
And so Paul's joy overflows because his prayers have been answered in full. He goes on to say in verse 9, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. There's more ministry to be gone on with. But for the moment, Paul is happy just to rejoice, to give thanks to God. In the year 2000, I was in the process of preparing to lead a mission trip to Vanuatu to work among the Vanuatu people and to evangelise the entire Chinese community on the island of Espiritu Santo in one week. It was ambitious. Particularly the Chinese community were people who had never really heard the gospel before. I mean, they dwelt amongst Christians, but it was a very great culture gap and difficulty between the Vanuatu people and the, the Chinese community there in Luganville. And in a sermon that I preached at the time on this passage, I went back and I was having a look as I was preparing today. I said these words, I share them again with you now. I think, imagining back in 2000, looking to go to take a mission group to Vanuatu. I said, I know there are heaps of obstacles, but I believe God wants us to do this. And who knows what kind of a harvest we may yet reap, or who knows what kind of a crown we may yet have to glory in when Christ comes again. Well, on that trip, we met the family of Alina, Beverly and Raymond for the very first time. And afterward, when they came to Australia for school, they also came to church, the Chinese Presbyterian Church, and others did as well. It was Lisa and and others, numbers of people who, when they came to Australia, came to church. And they're still here today. Isn't it amazing how God works? And so I do have that sense of the great joy which Paul speaks of in these verses. Let's not underestimate the impact that we can have by living our lives with a fighting, go get attitude to holiness, evangelism, service to the gospel and prayer. It's a great challenge to me today to remember these things and not to grow weary or discouraged, but to keep looking forward to the hope of glory that Christ sets before us. So I really can identify with Paul's words in these verses. Verse 9 again. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Every person matters to God. So let's recommit ourselves to the ministry that he's called us to in this place at this time. I know there's much more to be done, more discipling, more training in righteousness, more equipping, more evangelism and prayer. Sometimes we fall over, we have to pick ourselves up again and dust ourselves down. But with God's help, we fight on. And with God's help, we will see the victory and the growth in his perfect timing. And that leads us now to our final part. This is what Paul's prayer is about too at the end of our passage today. A tremendously encouraging prayer. I want to read it to you now again in full so you can feel the impact of this wonderful passion for God's people. It comes through, doesn't it? Listen from verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. 
May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Oh, what a prayer. What a fantastic, gutsy prayer. And what a model to teach us how to pray. Of course, the Lord Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as the ideal model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. But as we look at this prayer here that Paul prays, what another great prayer for us to learn from. First of all, it's a specific prayer. It's focused laser-like on the needs of God's people. Second, it's a passionate prayer, prayed from the heart. And third, it's a practical prayer, seeking very practical means for God's help to clear the way for us to come to you and that God may supply what is lacking in your faith. It's specific, it's passionate, it's practical. It's a good prayer. 1,600 years ago, when the famous preacher Chrysostom, golden tongue, that's what Chrysostom means, preached this passage. Uh, it was when he was the Archbishop of Constantinople around 400 AD, at a time when that city was still uh, had uh, the gospel being preached. Mind you, Chrysostom was exiled not long after. <laughs> he got under people's nerves for the way that he preached a little too boldly, perhaps, uh, what the emperor and empress didn't want to hear. But as he preached... On this passage, the Archbishop of Constantinople was prompted to declare his devotion and love for his congregation in these terms. He said, there is nothing I love more than you. No, not even light itself. I would gladly have my eyes put out 10,000 times over if it were possible by this means to convert your souls. So much is your salvation dearer to me than light itself. This one thing is the burden of my prayers, that I long for your advancement. But that in which I strive with all is this, that I love you, that I am wrapped up in you, that you are my all, father, mother, brethren, children. Do you think the congregation went home encouraged that day? I believe they did. What a preacher. What a pastor, what a challenge. (laughs) And what a message to take home from church on a Sunday morning. So encouraging. So God has blessed us this morning with a heartwarming message about faith and love. In particular, we saw Paul's passion for God's people, which is something we all want from our pastors, I guess. We want to know that we're loved and cared for in Christ, that we're in good hands in terms of love, leadership and learning, all very important. So as I finish today, I want to recap for you the main points that we've seen along the way. As I said before, there are two great themes that come together in our passage, they being faith and love. Faith in the Lord Jesus, love for God's people. And the goal here is that we might be strengthened in our faith and love together and thereby stand firm in the Lord just as the Thessalonians did. Second, we saw how Paul's love for God's people is a consuming passion. His concern for their welfare is very humbling and encouraging. 
I love how he's so willing to provide for the concerns for the, for the church, the love, the leadership, the learning that they required was still on his mind, still on his agenda for as long as he lived, even when he was separated from them. And third, the Thessalonians have much to teach us today as well. Theirs was a faith that resisted the devil and stood firm against all kinds of trials. Theirs was a faith that believed in the power of the resurrection and wasn't moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Theirs was a faith that persevered in times of strong opposition. Theirs was a faith that looked to Christ for the victory. Theirs was a faith that walked together and prayed together and drew strength and encouragement together as a church. And theirs was a faith that fought together for the truth of the gospel, seeking the joy of seeing many souls one for Christ. In this, the Thessalonian church continued to grow despite the trials and tribulations it faced. And I pray that we too will continue to grow in faith and love for the Lord and for one another. I don't ask God for an easy life, but I ask for a faithful ministry for a flourishing community of faith and love in Burwood. I pray that as a church we will reach our full potential and that in a world of turmoil and confusion which swirls around us, that we won't lose our hope or take our eyes off Jesus. I pray that the Lord will protect us from the attacks of Satan that will come. And I pray that we'll be a welcoming church and a church that rejoices in the Lord just like Paul and the Thessalonians did. That's pretty much all I want to say today. May God strengthen you in your faith and love and may you stand firm in the Lord now and always until Christ returns. I might in a moment ask if you've got any questions, but first let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your encouragement to us today as your people. Thank you that you are the living God who cares for us and has not left us without hope in the world. Thank you for the example of Paul, whose love for God's people knew no bounds. And thank you for the Thessalonians, for their determination to resist the devil and to stand firm in their trials, and to walk together and to pray together and draw strength and encouragement from one another together as a church. And thank you for a faith that fights for the truth, seeking the joy of seeing many souls one for Christ. Lord, please bless us as your people today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.